Welcome to season seven of the Leadership Educator Podcast, your source for knowledge and expertise on facilitating leadership learning. Are you passionate about leadership education? Do you want to expand your resource toolbox with practical strategies for teaching, learning, and program design? Then this is the podcast for you. If you haven't done so already, please hit subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Hello and welcome to the Leadership Educator Podcast. I'm Dan Jenkins, Professor of Leadership and Organizational Studies at the University of Southern Maine. And typically, uh, Lauren Bollock would say that she's an Assistant Professor of Instruction at Temple at this point. Uh, However, she is out sick for this recording and we miss her dearly and I hope that she can join us again. It is really difficult to do a podcast when you have laryngitis. And so, uh, again, we (laughs) wish her the best and we're excited to jump into this special New Directions for Student Leadership episode. So today's episode features NDSL co-editors, Dr. John Egan, Assistant Professor of Leadership Studies at the Citadel, and Dr. John Banter, Associate Director of the Office of Leadership and Community Engagement at Georgia Southern University. And they recently edited issue number 174, released in the summer of 2022, entitled Games in Leadership Learning. Thank you both for joining us today. Happy to be here. Yes, thanks for having us. I'm excited for y'all being here and to, to dive into this and uh, and really explore this this theme a bit. So for our listeners, um, if you've listened to a few of our past episodes, uh, you may have noticed a pattern of new directions for student leadership issues. So Dr. Susan Kamavez and Kathy Guthrie contacted us in early 2021 to engage in a partnership around promoting new issues of the series as they were released. And since the first episodes aired in about February of 21. We've invited guest editors of issues um, in NDSL, including Drs. Mark Hurwitz and Rachel Thompson to share perspectives on their followership education issue, Drs. Krista Soria and Matt Thompson to discuss their issue on evidence-based practices in leadership development, Drs. Uh, Sonia Arjuan uh, to discuss leadership learning and social class, and Drs. Jasmine Collins and Rich Whitney. They discussed advancing racial equity in leadership education. And then most recently, Drs. Megan Kendall and Cindy Rotman on student leadership development in engineering education. So um, today we're again looking at games in leadership learning. So I think first, it, well, one of y'all, the Leadership Education Academy, she was out in Denver. That's right. It was in Denver, maybe 2016 or 17. I 17. Can't yeah. And so that would have been, I think, the first time that we really got a chance to interact and then one of the things that was fun as I was reading y'all's editorial for the New Directions, you were sharing not only the, the funny way that y'all fell into this work, but I had an opportunity to be a participant in the workshop that y'all co-facilitated there um, at the Association of Leadership Educators Conference in Chicago that year, which was all about escape rooms in uh, in leadership education. It probably had a more fancy title than that, something really, really close to that, though. Is that about right? <laughs> I don't even remember Dan. <laughs> well, you, that's right. Um, but in any case, I remember what a, I, I, as a participant, it was just like, you know, and I knew what escape rooms were and I had participated in them before, but I had never thought of it as a teaching tool. And y'all just blew us away with the uh, the way that you had facilitated that workshop. And I wanted to add, and we were talking about this before we started recording, I'm pretty sure my team uh, randomly selected, or maybe it was just the people I was sitting by. I think Susan Lucia was on my team and she's been on this show, but, but I'm pretty sure our team uh, escaped first. Just want to put that out there. But it was so impressive, um, not only to 
to me, but also obviously to the association, because I believe you all ended up winning the best workshop award that year, right at the at the conference. And when uh, Kathy Guthrie and I were seeking out authors for that companion manual that we did for role of leadership educators, transforming learning, the instructional and assessment strategies for leadership ed book, we reached out to y'all about doing a, a chapter, or I guess an instructional guide for uh, escape games as a learning assessment. And uh, I know that one has been uh, has been a favorite for folks. And thank you again for for doing that. That has definitely been uh, a fun one. And so, yeah. And then I know we've had a had some good good times uh, at ALE and uh, at other conferences. Just have a chance to learn a little bit more about each other. So, anything else you all would share about about that? Because I, I do want to ask you all to share, you know, maybe two or three things about yourself that uh, folks wouldn't find in your bios. Mm. What do you think that would be? I'll jump in. I um. I'm a retired a pole vaulter, so I uh, pole vaulted at the University of Georgia, uh, and definitely wish I still pole vaulted. Uh, there's no pickup games in pole vaulting, and it's kind of an expensive sport. But I would say uh, that, and I have uh, two little boys; they're three and five years old, and I'm currently coaching the coach pitch team, the Rockies, uh, in Somerville, and uh, I think we're undefeated. Although there's there's no scorekeeping in the games. Love it. And that was John E., folks. So I'll turn it over to John E. So uh, I was an Olympic torchbearer in the 96 Olympics when they were in Atlanta. Um, So that's a random thing. I was chosen as a community hero. And how I was selected for that, I have no (laughs) idea. (laughs) But um, So yeah, that that was interesting. Um, And then another thing that folks probably don't, wouldn't know is that early in my career, I worked as a contractor with Homeland Security and Emergency Management. And the title that I had in that work was Lieutenant. Uh, that's what I ended with Lieutenant with Counterterrorism and Risk Assessment. So I have a random graduate certificate in Homeland Security Management um, because I'm a learner and figured that I should probably know what I'm doing with that at the time. So, um, yeah, that's a, a random thing that most folks don't know. Yep. Wasn't aware of that. Uh, hopefully that has uh, served you well in, in some uh, some particular way as a leadership educator. <laughs> it has led to some interesting conversations in class when I have uh, veterans, especially in class. Yeah. So, you know, to kind of circle back to um, to that ALE, right, back in Chicago. So um, and in the in y'all's opening editorial for the issue, y'all wisecrack a bit uh, about a, a conversation that led you to study games and leadership education and development. Would you mind just sharing a little bit about how th- that research track kind of expounded and then this issue came about? I think I was at... ALE in Charleston, actually, randomly. And John was, John and I used to both work at Georgia Southern in the same department. So John called about, we were looking at a leadership conference that we had going on, trying to figure out a keynote for that conference. And um, he was like, you know, I I think we've decided that we're going to do something different. And either we're going to do an escape game or you're going to dance for all the students. 
And I was like, well, we're going to be doing an escape game because <laughs> I'm not dancing for everybody. Uh, and I think it was kind of a joke to begin with, but then that that became like, no, we're, we really can do that. Yeah, it was kind of a joke in the beginning. And, and I will say it was also born a bit out of necessity. We had uh, overspent on one keynote and then basically like had a little bit of change left. And they're like, what are we going to do now? Uh, and so that's where that was kind of uh, born out of. But I will say our first iteration of doing escape games was in some ways a complete nightmare. Uh, we tried to run uh, 30 escape games simultaneously in two different buildings. <laughs> So we had trained people and all that stuff. And uh, it did actually did work out at some level, but we definitely uh, learned to just set, sort of scale that back a little bit. Yes. Wow. Yeah. And I mean, I, the best part about that, I think, is that when we finally made the decision that we were going to do an escape game, we were like, you know, none of us have done this, have actually been in an escape room. So we've never done it before. So we went to Savannah, which is just up the road from us, and uh, did an escape room there with some of our team. And then we were like, okay, we can do this and you know, figured out some of the game mechanics of how we could do it. And Dan, I'll add, uh, in terms of like heading down a research pathway with this, we definitely just dump, jumped into it as like a you know, sort of a practitioner thing. And we were tying it to uh, student leadership competencies uh, within that cluster of communication. And uh, yeah, so we once we had done it, we were like, well, we want to present this somewhere, but we've never looked at the literature even slightly a little bit. And when I dove into uh, escape games in particular, it was amazing to find that in a variety of disciplines, escape games were being leveraged for learning, whether it was nursing students trying to apply like the right medicine to like a, a a diabetic child at the end of an escape game whether it was disarming a you know a bomb i mean it, there's all kinds of things people engaging in uh, research methods uh, doing an escape game in the library i mean it was just on and on and i was uh, you know initially really excited and i guess like from there we expanded into other areas yeah yeah i mean nothing like diving in and experiencing it yourself right i mean i think you know you had to go to a you had to go to an escape room and and really really feel it out and um you know there's that was something and we've uh i know we've had uh, scott allen on here before to talk about the collegiate leadership competition and you know that was something that um you know i've been coaching teams that have been involved in that um organization since 2016 and one of my favorite things to do although we weren't able to do it during the during the pandemic um but every other year that i've coached a team we've i've always taken the students to an escape room in portland or or, or in my town here in brunswick and it sometimes it uh in fact this year um the students said that was kind of like their like cathartic moment as a team like that's where they really came together and started to work together in a different way because um, they really got to spend some time with each other outside of like, you know, we run it as a class. And so like, it just, it was really cool to, to see that happen. Um, but we're not here to just talk about escape rooms. And so y'all are focusing on games, gamification, game-based learning. What would you say is kind of important to know about the differentiation between some of those terms? I know, uh, you know, I don't want you to go into like all of them, but maybe like games, gamification, like kind of the key things there, game-based learning, what would you say is important for listeners to just kind of take home as they they think about what we're talking about here and how that applies to, to a learning environment? 
So I'll jump in and then I'll let John go from there. But uh, one thing when we were first asked about doing this, the original kind of thought was to look more at gamification. And in our looking at these topics and the terminology, uh, John wrote a lot more about this in his uh, solo chapter, but the, the terminology is important. And we learned from reaching out to one of the experts in the field who will remain nameless for the purposes of this. Um, very quickly, we're like gamification is a no-go in what we were gonna pursue. And I think oftentimes people leadership educators, we use the term gamification, um, but those terms do mean something very specific. And in the purposes for what we were looking at, we were looking at more of using games, not the building out how you're going to provide points for different things to incentivize the learning that takes place. And that was one of the things that I think even with the two of us in our process of diving more into this, learned more about the distinctions of gamification in particular um, from game-based learning, which is what we were really going to focus on for this issue. Yeah, and just uh, really a, a key difference between gamification, and I will say that there is some debate on these terms, so this is not, you know, uh, totally locked in, but in my reading of it, uh, it seems that gamification is applying game mechanics in a non-gaming context. And I may have actually just directly quoted someone who I don't can't recall right now off the top of my brain. Uh, but uh, in game, a game, I think it's also helpful to dis distinguish between a game and an activity. Uh, so games have uh, some sort of system, some type of rules, uh, players. Players may be competing against the system. They might be competing against each other. But an important element also is that there's a feedback system. Like in game, you're getting some type of uh, feedback on how you're doing and you might adjust and change. And then typically with a game, there's some sort of quantifiable outcome, some sort of win state that's kind of hanging out there. Um, and, and so, yeah, but that, that's, the, that's the main difference between gamification and games is, is gamification tends to be applying game mechanics in, in a non-gaming context. So you think about a, a syllabus or something in a course where you're maybe, uh, people can earn, earn points and badges and leaderboards. Now I will say that gamification can certainly include, uh, things beyond that as well. Yeah, no, it's interesting because I think about. And you, you all write about this a little bit too, and and how you know games, you know, are are kind of in the same family, give or take, like simulation and role play, and you know, you all were mentioning some some of the research and some of the things that I found in my own research looking at instructional strategy used by by leadership educators, and and there wasn't much variability between undergrad and graduate faculty that taught undergraduate and graduate level uh, leadership courses around how often that they used. Uh, role play simulation and games. In fact, those kind of clustered together as the highly experiential pedagogies. And uh, when I followed up on the quantitative phase and interviewed some folks to find out a little bit more about that, 
you know, what really came out was this idea of, yeah, these are really, really great things to do, you know, and there's no arguing really, I mean, we can certainly debate that, but I would say there's no arguing the benefits of these highly experiential learning tools, right? I mean, it's going to it's engage students, they get to take, take on roles, they get to experience things maybe they haven't been able to experience. It's gamifying it, it adds this other level of, of fun and what have you, but it's also high risk. And that's what we, that's what I learned from my own research is these educators were saying, yeah, these all sound great, but I don't have time to set up this game or print out all these things or these scripts or get all the materials or, or what have you. And, and, but that's not always the case, I I guess, just, you know, but disclaimer, like high risk, high reward. So if you're willing to put in the time and, or pick up, you know, something that somebody has already created, then you can kind of run with that. And so that was one of the, the things that I think I found that was really interesting there was that while these do have a lot of risk, they do have a lot of reward potential when leadership educators are willing to to take that on and or design their own, right? Which was some of the things that y'all have written about and shared in some of your writing. I, I guess kind of on that note, like how, how would you suggest leadership educators and curricular or co-curricular spaces get started with games and their and their teaching or in their programming if they're in the on the co-curricular side of things? I think the easiest thing is to start out with things that are already made for you. Um, I know that uh, some of our authors have talked about the, the challenges of of creating games for that. You know, is it, is it actually uh, worth the time and effort that the the risk that you you mentioned in putting a g- game together? And there's a lot of games that are out there that are available for educators to use in the classroom. And some of it's even just taking an existing game and infusing the leadership learning within that game that exists. There's a lot that can be done with that to take something that already is out there and make it work for your particular course or your activity that you're going to be trying to do that with. But you certainly can have some really uh, interesting things that you can do with games if you're creating your own, um, but just be prepared for the time that it takes to to do that. With a, our creation of escape games, I think we've created three, I believe, and um, they take a lot of time and to make them uh, work well, it. They're just they're set up involved in the, the, the space, the game, the materials, um, resetting all of the things if you're doing multiple iterations of it. So there's a lot that can go into that. Um, and we, we finally at Georgia Southern, when when John was still here, we had to get to a point where we're like, uh, you know, some a department on campus would request us to do it. We're like, hey, we're not really able to, to do that for you. And then be like, well, okay, somebody would volunteer us that we're going to go do it for them. So, uh, so that 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 does happen. Yeah, I'll add that. I think it's a this is a good time to pivot a little bit in mentioning uh, NDSLs. Definitely written uh, with practitioners in mind, and the chapters are just chock full of games for people to use. I mean. Uh, you know, what learning objectives they're aligned to. Uh, there's just very concrete, practical games, you know, all throughout the issue that have been tried and uh, successfully used in the past. 
Um, I, there's a game I love that we used to use at Georgia Southern that was what's happening in your agrarian neighborhood. And there's a, a journal article published around it. And it's a great, fun uh, way to bring about, um, to talk about the criteria of affected teams. And there, there's no end to these, these types of games. But I would say I would point people towards the issue. I really would. Yes. Uh, and, and, and we've been talking a lot about, uh, you know, like physical in the same space kind of games, but there's there's uh, articles on uh, video games, um, you know, massive multiplayer online games, uh, games used with youth. Uh, there, there's uh, in, in curricular and non-curricular settings. So I, I would definitely point people towards that direction. The benefit of creating your own game, of course, is it's a lot, well, I think it's a ton of fun creating them, but also you get to align them more directly and clearly with your uh, learning objectives and what your intent is. Uh, also, as I talked about, like games giving a feedback, like a feedback loop on how they're doing. If you have some specific competency you're trying to develop uh, or some particular learning objective, you can kind of design the game in a way that when a player gets feedback, it's sort of nudging them and certainly to the debrief towards the direction of what you're trying to accomplish in terms of leadership learning. Yeah, and that that is one of the nice things that all of our authors included the resources that they were writing about. And, you know, a lot of them, where, where exactly you could go find these things. Um, so the pick your, pick your poison on what you're going to, what, what you want to do and what you may have space and time for. And if it's in a course, there's information about what to include in the course or how you can include it in a course. Um, and the, the piece about video games, there's both looking at it from a collegiate standpoint and high school even. So there's some interesting things that can go on there. Would you talk a little more about using or creating games in, in virtual spaces, right? I mean, the, the, the pandemic uh, thrust us into playing around with some technology that we maybe thought we would never deal with. I think they added, didn't Webster's add Zoom to the uh to the dictionary after uh, 2020 or 21, right? And as as one of the contributors to this, you know, I had the opportunity to write with with Megan Pickett, and we had a, a really really great time working together on that chapter on virtual games and and leadership education. What would what would y'all share? Because that's right, that's a totally different environment, and it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to facilitate it when you're on a Zoom meeting, right? It could be uh, kind of a a hybrid version or something like that. But from your own experience and and what you've learned through working with some of these authors, what what would you share about using or creating games in virtual classrooms? We should turn that back to you because <laughs> you wrote the article. <laughs> well, well, yeah. Go ahead, John. Johnny. I guess <laughs> uh, Johnny. Yeah. Uh, so a couple, one, uh, Kristen, uh, I, I'm, I'm not hundred percent sure how to say her last name, but I think it's Bazayo. Uh, she wrote an article I and mean, there's, there's just games out there where leadership learning is happening already. Uh, and you know, whether that's like a world of Warcraft, uh, in her particular article, she writes about like, you know, games are assigned as as homework to go home and play uh, like it like a like it's a book you're supposed to go read. Uh, and, you know, they would unpack the learning from those from those games. Uh, and so, you know, finding finding ways of doing that, we developed a, a virtual escape game uh, to be played uh, in Zoom that we did with our students at Georgia Southern. 
Um, and it, it worked and in, in really in a lot of the same in a lot of the same ways. Yeah, it's interesting you bring up World of Warcraft and you know, I've written about this and I think I alluded to it in, in our in our chapter too, but it was it was probably one of the most profound learning, well, I don't know how to say learning I mean, I don't want to like project myself onto this particular student, but it seemed like it was kind of like a a paradigm shift for uh for him at, at this point. This was one of my first years teaching, maybe first or second year teaching. And the student said, Hey, can I can I talk to you after class? I'm like, Yeah, sure, of course. You know, and he's like, he's like, I'm really struggling with this this assignment about about leading teams and I don't know what to talk about. I haven't really had any experiences. I've never had a job. And I said, well, you know, what do you, what do you like to do for fun? Are you in any student organizations? He's like, don't laugh at me. I'm like, what? He's like, you know, I, I play World of Warcraft a lot. And I'm like, tell me a little bit more about that. You know, and he goes, you know, I have this, uh, I run a clan, you know, I'm like, yeah, tell me more about that. You know? And he's like, yeah, there's like, you know, I don't know, 30, 40. I mean, it was like a big, and, and he's like, I'm like, so what's that like? You know, he's like, oh man, people, there's conflict and I'm trying to like smooth these things out. And then we go on quests together and I have to choose who goes on which quest. And I'm like, dude, you're talking about all these things that are about leadership. And, and, and he just kind of like got wide out. He goes, oh yeah, you're right. You know, and he's like, I'm going to go write that paper. You know, and it was just, it was such a great conversation. It's like, yeah, I mean, that was, you know, one of the first massive multiplayer online RPGs, if I'm even getting the acronym right, you know, in those, in those simulated worlds. And, uh, you know, I mean, it, it, it really opened up some space for, for him. And, you know, I could certainly see how that um, came out as we were writing, as Megan and I were writing our chapter. And then as, looking at some of the other research and things that were out there, especially with things like esports and and some of these others. But that was World of Warcraft was kind of one of our first, and by we, I mean kind of as a society and like as video gamers, like going out there and like working together because the technology allowed for folks to to collaborate and have a goal. And all those dynamics are just as true there as they are on the football field, right? Right. And so you you mentioned esports, and that is something that I think in this realm of games and leadership learning is is fresh for uh looking more at how leadership takes place uh, especially in the collegiate setting where now there's esports teams for colleges that are going you know almost as collegiate athletics uh, so they're they're developing spaces at universities for esports teams that are going on and looking at that from the leadership lens and what happening there is something that I know there's some research going on in that realm, but that's that's something that there can be a whole lot more opportunities for leadership educators, especially in higher education, to kind of jump into that space. You know, it's interesting that you all spanned, as you mentioned before, not only higher education, but, you know, youth leadership education. And certainly, you know, it's funny because I listened to my, so I've got two daughters and they're 12 and 15. And just listening to them, like describe people that they're interacting with. And sometimes they're just, they're, they're talking about boys, no surprise. And they're like, oh, you know, the, oh, this one's athletic. And like, oh, well, this one's a gamer. Oh, oh the gamer, oh, da, 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 da. you know, and it's just like, it's interesting, like the identities that, you know, that, that these folks share, but it is a huge part of, you know, these kids' identities at this point, right? And so it was, it was keen of y'all not only to kind of curate that, but, but to think about, I mean, it's not just, folks aren't just playing like Mario Kart anymore. I mean, th there's going back to that student back that I had at University of South Florida. I mean, it is 
part of their their social not their social identity but folks they hang out with their social scene you know and and they're learning life skills through some of these interactions and it's just it's interesting to to observe that and particularly with like the esports right i mean these are intramurals you know and so right club teams right you know but i wouldn't be surprised to see scholarships start going uh coming out for these things in the next next few years and maybe it's already happening and so in any case, I think that's an interesting evolution here and certainly something to for leadership educators to think about. Well, um, it's, it's the future. I mean, I, I have a middle school daughter and, you know, I walk into the office at home and she'll be sitting on the computer playing a game with friends, but also FaceTiming them at the same time. So, you know, and then, you know, you walk into the room, they're watching YouTube of other people playing games, talking. So, that this whole virtual gaming is is going to be around and is you know it's our job as leadership educators to figure out how we can get into that space to to be able to communicate that more effectively and I, you know, i'm thinking about my own grad school when we were you know there were a lot of films that we would be using but i could see similar to what you were sharing earlier that they're going to be video games that are going to be used as those examples in classes in the future of like, well, how did you see this? You know, I, I, I every now and then will hear a student's referencing Grand Theft Auto just, you know, randomly. Uh, but there may be something with that in the in our, uh, you know, maybe maybe we don't go to Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> Using that as, a, as examples of the classroom. That's interesting, right? Because you could break down the film just like you might a sports, uh, you know, a couple plays in, you know, in basketball or football or something like that, right? You could see how um, folks interacted. And and sometimes when it, things are being recorded in that aspect, you could even see what was going on in the chat or what what folks, you know, what the different players were were saying to each other on their head, headsets or, or what have you. What are some of y'all's favorite games that you've used in your classrooms uh, or in your in your uh, in your programming with with your leadership students? Yeah, I, I started to mention one, and maybe I'll earlier. I'll, maybe I'll describe a little bit more. Yeah, but this is the uh, what, I think it's called "What's Happening in Your Agrarian Neighborhood," and essentially you've got about fifteen players, so you might have two games going at once, depending on the size of your class, and they are all given uh, all kind of random clues and not even really told what the objective is. It's just kind of like ready go, and they kind of look at you like you know what's happening, and like I've even had students get very angry at that point. Uh, and essentially they, they are given like clues about, uh, farmers and what they grow, what kind of cars they drive. They're all like, and they're not allowed to write They're They're not allowed to show their clues to each other. And eventually what happens is one of the clues tells them what they're supposed to be doing. Uh, and it's basically like who, who's driving the truck and who grows apples. And that's what they're supposed to figure out. And for a while, you might have like a, a student who like won't speak up or is feeling uncomfortable in the space, you know? Uh, and so they don't share that thing and, and, and think and like, you know, time is just expiring on them. Uh, then there's also a whole lot of talking over each other. Right. And, uh, they're not communicating very well. Uh, they haven't like, you know, worked out some sort of process. There's not clear roles, but eventually they have to uh identify the goal like what's the objective our team has they have to get clear roles and they they eventually map themselves out on a map of like where the farmers are what they grow it's the only way to solve the puzzle uh and so they they sort of get get clear roles uh and so and so we have conversations about like what's what's needed for an effective team like a a goal that ele a goal that elevates the work uh 
uh, some sort of like space where people feel comfortable to speak up and, and be engaged in the work together. Uh, so this sort of like social capital piece. Uh, and uh, yeah, so it, 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 and you can even you can even go into Tuckman stuff with that as well. But uh, it's a great dynamic game. Uh, and uh, the students that, you know, get it, you know, actually solve the puzzle, you know, get absolutely, you know, fired up. And, you know, games, games are special because they, they provide this like internal uh, motivation, right? It like kind of motivates and fuels the learning. Uh, so I really, we've used that game for some time and it's published in a, in a, in I can't remember which journal, but it's, it's a really fantastic game. And so easy, so easy. You literally print some clues and pass them out. I mean, that's it. So I recently used a, uh, it's it's a well it's a simulation but game um, that's old but I had never heard of it before called SimSoc so it's simulated society and uh, you're talking about high risk uh, there I, I think the students hated it until it was over and uh, it it gets a lot of um, connection into how leadership happens ensuring that you're caring for people's needs there's social justice aspects to it as well and um you know there, there was a time that i thought that i was gonna have a, like i think i i think i lost the class at some point in time uh and but it came back around and in the end when we were debriefing the whole activity the learning that they had was much greater than I expected that they were going to get out of it. And so it's that kind of piece is like, okay, well, that's why we keep doing games and in, in, in these situations. Cause you, you know, I was like, this is a disaster. You know, they're, they're going to, you know, course evaluations are going to be murderous on this, but the, the students were like, no, you know, there were things that they had critiques about the process of the game, but they definitely on the back end had a lot of, uh, insight that they gained from it that some of them even before they get got into it because there was some reading they had to do ahead of time and they're like I don't I don't I don't agree with this whole process this is socialism you know and then afterwards they're like oh this is uh you know I, I got something out of this and going back to the high risk high reward right I mean um and sometimes it's not evident immediately what the uh where, where, how the learning happened or where the learning occurred you know, I think I probably have used games the most in some type of like team-based learning or focusing on like, you know, the team, team leadership. Johnny, you mentioned, you know, Tuckman stages is kind of like a debriefing, you know, uh, element or, or something that you can certainly teach through that. There's there's a great resource that I, I came across uh, randomly years ago. There was this book called Learning Discussion Skills Through Games uh, by this author, Gene Stanford. It was written in 1969, um, but it's got, you know, I discussion is you know going back to to some of the research i've done like that's our that's our signature pedagogy right that's the we use discussion more than anything else in leadership um classrooms and, and leadership education and so getting students to learn how to be good stewards of discussion and dialogue is, is a big learning goal for for me in, in any of my classes and they've got a couple they've got a bunch of games but there's two in particular one is a bank robbery and one's a murder mystery um and basically uh, students are all given a couple clues, right? You know, it depends how many students you have, but they might get three clues, four clues, whatever, but they have to, they can't share the clues with their peers. 
um, you know, like the, the, the written uh, clues, they can only talk about it. And so they've got, you know, 15 minutes, 20 minutes to figure out like, you know, if it's a bank robbery, when did it take place? Who was the robber? You know, uh, what, what was the weapon used? You know, whatever it is time of the robbery day of the robbery, you know, all these types of things. And it's really fascinating to watch them work through those things. Um, and so, and you're getting so many learning goals, you know, and I think that's one of the great things that I love that y'all included in the new directions too. in some of the chapters or, or you and your authors is, you know, aligning these things with learning goals, right? Like, what do you, it, you know, don't just do a game, you know, don't, don't do any pedagogy just for the sake of doing it. Right. You know, align it with some type of, of uh, legitimate outcome. And, and that, you know, sometimes that can take some 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 TLC, um, but you know, doing that with intentionality is it's it's a good place to start. You know, what what's what's the point of using this uh, of this particular game, right? Yeah, I, when you said mur- murder mystery, I, I've had forgotten that we 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 have done murder mystery. Oh, have you as well? And uh, we actually raided our university surplus and got old furniture, and <laughs> we we made it a, a live action event. And, I was Doctor uh, Guggenheim. Yep. Uh, I think I was Lord McKenzie in that. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I love it. Sometimes so, students are like, why do you have this fancy furniture in your office? And I was like, it was for a murder mystery. <laughs> <laughs> You've been, uh, John B's been going to estate sales lately, right? So is there anything else that I didn't ask you that you all want to share with our listeners about this issue? Yeah, I'll just add that there's just so much uh, goodness there and just would encourage people to just you know start with the index and see what interests you and, and, and take it from there. Like I said, there's everything from working with youth uh, to playing games in virtual spaces, video games, uh, curricular, non you know, co-curricular. There's just so much there. So just would encourage people to navigate towards that. And one thing I'd like to say, Dan, I don't know if it necessarily relates to the issue per se, but I think a strand that we as leadership educators should be thinking about is not just games for leadership learning, but games for leadership in the sense that uh, how can games be used to solve problems and tackle challenges uh, and be used for influence? Uh, and and there, there's something there more beyond uh, leadership learning, which is a, certainly a critical piece as well. Yeah, the only, I'd just echo what John said about that there is something for everybody in the issue that, you know, we, we specifically reached out to authors that were coming from very different areas of leadership education to make sure that there was going to be something for everybody out there that this could be applicable to what you're doing as leadership educators. And uh, hopefully that is the case as people read more. Yeah. And I think it definitely is. So uh, John and John, thank you so much for joining us today. We're so grateful for your time and your contributions to the field of leadership education through this issue. Best of luck to y'all as you continue your work in this area and in your uh, respective universities and programs and, and courses there at the Citadel and at Georgia Southern. So thank you again. Thank you. Enjoyed it. Thanks, Dan. Do you connect with leadership educators virtually? Please follow us on social media. Search the Leadership Educator Podcast on LinkedIn to find our page. And find us on Twitter at Lead Educator Pod for episode release information, show notes, and upcoming events. You can connect with me on Twitter at Dr. Underscore Leadership. And Lauren is at M-R-S-L-A-U-R-J-B. That's Miss 
Laura JB. You can find the episodes wherever podcasts are available. We also encourage you to please subscribe at theleadershipeducator.com and rate us five stars as the more you rate us, the easier it is for others to find us. We'd like to thank the James M. Cox Jr. Institute for Journalism, Innovation, Management, and Leadership within the Grady College of Journalism and Mass Communication at the University of Georgia. The support was facilitated by Dr. Keith Herndon, William S. Morris Chair in News Strategy and Management. And our wonderful theme music was composed, performed, and mixed by Dr. Matt White, trumpeter, composer, and associate professor and chair of jazz studies at the University of South Carolina. Check him out at mattwhitejazz.com. Matt, thank you so much for sharing your musical genius with our audience. And finally, we are grateful for the support of two professional associations that are destinations for leadership educators, the Association of Leadership Educators and the International Leadership Association. ALE, which funded the start of the podcast, continues to promote our mission of continuing conversations with leadership professionals. Check out all that ALE has to offer at leadershipeducators.org. The global reach of the ILA has helped us to expand our listenership beyond our original borders. Check out the ILA's programs and resources at ilaglobalnetwork.org.